trunks. It's just a little trunk. We put stuff in trunks, don't we? How many of you have ever had a hope chest or somebody kept a hope chest for you? Anybody? A few of you. Okay. So there's a few hope chests out there. Uh, hope chests or trunks are made to hold precious things. They're made to hold things that are important to us. Things that are valuable. That's what a trunk is used for. Um, I am hoping and I am praying that by the end of our time together in just a little while, that this trunk, this little chest here, will hold a whole lot of love for our church. That it will hold a whole lot of love for our church family. Um, we tend to... Um, hang on to our treasures, do we not? Sometimes we hoard them. Sometimes we really hang on to them and, and uh, we, uh, we, we feel like maybe someday this will be valuable to somebody else. Maybe a, a grandchild, uh, maybe a, a, a nephew or a niece, maybe uh, a friend. will hold on to things for the purpose of, of hoping that they increase in value. Then maybe, maybe we'll have that Antiques Roadshow moment. How many of you like Antiques Roadshow? Love the roadshow. I'm like 81 years old. I love the roadshow. Not 41. No, I, uh, I, I love to sit and watch the roadshow because the, the, the end of the night, the, the deal of the day, right? That's the one where I've, I've actually like read articles on the roadshow. I know, total geek. But uh, I've read articles on the roadshow, and they don't tell people what they think their thing is worth before they put them on TV. They will sit there, and they will say, well, we might put you on camera. They'll look at this item, and uh, they'll research it. They'll go on the Internet, and they'll research it, and they'll talk about it, the different uh, evaluators and stuff. And so they will, uh, they'll, they'll, sell, they'll say to you, uh, we think you know, we, we might put you on TV. And so they go ahead, and, and they put them on TV. So the reactions, they don't tell them what it's worth. The reactions when they say, by the way, this rhinoceros horn cup from Africa, uh, it's, like the it's the highest item they've ever had on the show, worth $1 to $1.5 million. Uh, they didn't tell him ahead of time what it was worth so that reaction the you are holding a one million dollar rhinoceros horn cup in your hand that's real that's the the what moment that's that's the aha moment yeah that's right that's real and, and so it's like wow you know i mean could you imagine you know you, you go like this chest right here you know you may look at it you know but you take it on the show and it's like yeah it's worth one hundred fifty thousand dollars <laughs> what $150,000 is amazing. Yes, why is it sitting on the stage right here? And, and they actually have security guards, you know, because you know, oh, people can overhear <laughs> what's going on. And they have security guards that will escort you to your car uh, and hopefully to a, uh, um, a safety deposit box. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we hold on to things because they're either valuable to us or we feel like they'll be valuable to somebody else. Maybe it's great-great-grandma's change purse that she brought over uh, from Europe uh, with her. Um, and it holds a lot of sentimental value, but it also holds more value than just that. It, it means that she was able to survive hard times. You know, whatever the reason that we hold on to things, we, we save them because they hold memories. They hold value. They hold hope. Promise for the future. And so we take these things and we may put them in a box. Um, we're willing to sacrifice the value of something now because it may hold more value in the future 
or to somebody else. Let me say it one more time. We are willing to sacrifice the value now because it may hold value for somebody else in the future. We want somebody else to have it so we don't use it now. We set it aside. We sacrifice that value for somebody else. This is a concept that we see in the first century church. This is something that they did. And, it, and, and we're going to talk this morning about a very serious and yet very awesome way that we can love our church. We've been talking about loving our church, and we're going to continue that today. But uh, I want to read from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. And it's up here on the screen. I'd like you to read it with me. Just read it out loud with me. Acts 4, 32 through 35. We'll begin. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. The first century church knew how to help each other, and they knew how to love each other. They knew how to love one another. But, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, how long it was before somebody decided to hang on to their stuff, before they decided that they couldn't let go anymore, before they decided, this is mine. Check this out. Your rat's with wings. The bloke's been looking for his boy Nemo. Nemo? He, he was taken off the reef by divers and this... They're crazy. taking it, Harry! Fight, fight, fight! Hey, hey, say that again. You just said something about Nemo. What was it? Fight, fight, fight! Mine? I wonder if we ever sound like that to God. I wonder if we ever sound like that to Jesus. When we hold on so tightly and we grab on so tightly to our stuff, to our things, to our money, to our houses, to our cars, to our possessions. Do we ever sound like that to God when we hold on so tightly? Well, we've been talking about loving our church for the past few weeks in this series called I Love My Church. And we are to love our church. We've talked about different ways that we can love our church. And today we're going to talk about how we can love our church by giving. Now, when I talk about loving our church, I'm not talking about loving the building. I'm not talking about loving the programs or loving the service. I'm talking about loving the people. We're talking about loving each other and loving one another in the church. So if you can grab your bulletin, turn to page three to the handy dandy outline. You can fill in some blanks here in just a second. As we talk about this idea of letting go. Now, the first blank on your outline is release your grip. Release your grip. Acts 4.32, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. The first church had a loose grip. 
They had a loose grip. And it may be easy to say that, well, they didn't have very much. It's the first century. I mean, how much could they have had? They were, they were poor. And so they didn't have much to hold on to. They, they couldn't help but have a loose grip. They didn't have very much. Well, that's not true. Think about the story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? They had a tight grip. They weren't willing to loosen their grip, and so they lied to the apostles, and they dropped dead because of it. They didn't have a loose grip. We shouldn't be making excuses so that we can be like seagulls. We shouldn't be making excuses so that we can be like seagulls. The truth is, it's not ours. Never was. Everything we own, everything we have, everything in our possession comes from God. It's God's. And we're kind of like the bank. You know, he, he invests in us. He invests our possessions, our money, our, our time, our talent, our treasure. He invests these things in us. And he wants to see a good ROI. How many of you know what an ROI is? It's return on investment. God wants a good return on the investment that he makes in us. And the return on investment that he is looking for is how we love one another and how we love our church and how we give to one another to take care of one another. We need to release our grip because the stuff we have is not ours. And we're in danger. We're in danger when we say this stuff is mine and we say, we're like the seagulls, mine, 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 mine. We're in danger of our stuff having us and not us having our stuff. Does that make sense? It's dangerous when our stuff has us. And, and let's face it, when we loosen our grip, we reflect Jesus' sacrificial love toward us. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 says this, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, something to be gripped, something to be grasped. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus loosened his grip of his exalted place in heaven and humbled himself and came to earth to live as a human being. Here was the Son of God, Jesus, God in the flesh, God exalted on the throne, sitting in power and majesty at the right hand of the Father, adored by angels, worshipped by just billions of heavenly creatures for all eternity. And he says, I am willing to loosen my grip and give that up and come to earth to die for the sins of humanity so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you will believe in him, repent from your sins, confess your faith, obey him in baptism, your sins are forgiven, and you are given the greatest gift of all, better than any kind of car or house or clothing or food. The greatest gift of all is the gift of the promise of eternal life with Jesus. It is greater than any houses, land, gold, stocks, bonds, IRAs, Roth, uh, RIAs, uh, 401ks. And this is kind of hard. This message is hard to preach. It's kind of hard to hear. Because we like our stuff. We like to hold on to our stuff. We're all like mini hoarders. You know, I can't throw that away. Or I don't want to throw that away. Or I don't want to give that up. I don't want to get rid of this. I don't want to part with that. We kind of hoard things to ourselves. This is not a give to the church kind of message. That's not what this is about. 
It's not a increase your tithe or increase the amount you give every week in your offering. That's not what it's about. This is a different kind of a message. You know, it's easy to say, you know, every time I go to church, that's all they ever talk about. All they ever talk about is money. All they want is my money. They're greedy at the church. I, that's not what we're saying today. That's not what this passage is about. It's not what it's about. It's about something else. It is. It, you know, it may be very easy for us to say, you know what, give to the church. Just keep giving to the church, and we'll be your clearinghouse. You know, we'll distribute it as we as as we hear about needs, and and we'll just we'll hold your money for you, and then we'll give it away as people need it, or we'll pay the bills, or we'll pay the salaries, or we'll keep the lights on, things like that. You know, we'll 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 have some. We'll keep some for administrative costs. And then we'll deal with the rest later. That's not what we're about. That's not what the first church was about. The first church demonstrated love for one another by selling their possessions, not by giving to organized religion, not by giving to a corporate entity called the church. No, they showed, showed their love by sharing everything with one another. They were giving to the personal entity of the church, the people. That is what they gave to. They gave to the church, to the people. You know, the, uh, the apostles were the ones who helped with the distribution of it, but the apostles didn't keep it for themselves. They didn't keep it for lawn maintenance. They didn't keep it for curriculum. You know, and there's nothing wrong with either lawn maintenance or curriculum. Uh, but the problem is when we fail to meet the needs of people because of lawn maintenance or curriculum, because of the things that we want, if we fail to meet the needs of people, if we fail to meet the needs of our church family because of property things or because of program, programmatic things, if we fail to meet the needs of people, then we are not doing our job. We are not loving our church. We have to help each other. We need to release our grip, to loosen our grip, and we need to tighten our belts. That's the second blank on your outline. Tighten your belt. We need to make room in our budget here as a church family and as individuals. We need to make room in our budget in order to help people. That's what the first church was doing. Acts chapter 4 verses 34 and 35 says, There was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. The first church, the first century church, they weren't keeping hope chests. They weren't hoarding their possessions. They weren't keeping their stuff all for themselves. It's not what they were about. They were not saving up for a rainy day. I wrote a blog article once called uh, about uh, there's no rainy days with God. That God knows what we need and he knows how to provide. We don't need to save up for a rainy day because with God there are no rainy days. And if there are, he's got an umbrella big enough for you. They weren't hanging on to their personal property or their personal possessions. These folks were liquidating everything because they heard that somebody had a need and they had to take care of it. They had to do something to take care of that need. And it meant selling some land. That's what they would do. Everything must go. Why? Because they loved each other. They truly, deeply loved each other. Now, I am not suggesting that you go out this, this week and sell your house and sell everything and we all move into the fellowship hall with one another. Okay, that would be weird. That would be weird. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. But, but what if we could maybe make a lifestyle change? Maybe if we could just, just 
change something that, that frees up a, a, an extra five bucks a week or ten bucks a week to help somebody. You know, if something uh, that we could give up that, that is keeping us from being generous to the people around us. You know, maybe it's time to tighten our belts a little bit like the early church did. You know, maybe we need to, maybe we need to give up Starbucks once a week. Can you believe how much a latte costs? So maybe we can give up a, a trip to Starbucks uh, and, and, and give that up. Or maybe a, a, a trip to, give up a trip to um, uh, McDonald's. You know, maybe you hit McDonald's a couple times a week. Maybe give up one of those. Your body will thank you. You give up the trip to McDonald's once a week. Your body will, will, will not know how to thank you enough. Uh, maybe, maybe I can make a few, a few, uh, some fewer trips to the mall. And you're like, yes, Sean, you can make fewer trips to the mall. That would be good. Maybe I can get rid of a movie channel on my cable, on my cable package. Maybe I can drop down a tier on my cable package and save an extra 20 bucks a month or $150 a month, depending on who you have for cable. Um, Maybe I could do. Maybe we could just do a better job of living on a budget and sticking to a budget. That the money I have budgeted for groceries, I'm going to keep and live according to that budget, so that I have a few extra dollars that I can donate to benevolence, or if I hear about a need, I can help take care of somebody. You know, so that when a need is presented, I can help that person. Maybe it's a single mom whose car keeps breaking down, and they need some good solid repairs so that she can get to work and take care of her kids. Or, or maybe it's the family uh, whose, whose dad is laid off or whose mom is on strike. And, and they don't have enough. They, they're afraid they're going to lose their house. What can we do to help these families out? Maybe it's a retired guy who can't afford all of his prescriptions. And so he has to, every month he's got to decide, well, do I take my blood pressure medication? Or do I take my thyroid medication? And he has to make that choice. Or, or maybe it's a college student who, who's going to have to drop out of college because of a lack of funds. You see, there are needs all around us. Maybe you heard your own self in that. I'm not talking about like the homeless on the street corner in Chicago. Yeah, we need to support missions who help people like that. But we can't be just, uh, just focused on everybody uh, outside of our four walls. We also need to communicate love for our church here in the four walls. We do not neglect the needs of one another. And that's hard to say. You know, because we spend so much time talking about getting our faith outside the walls. We spend so much of our time talking about reaching out to those who don't know Jesus and, and loving our community and loving people outside, but we, always, we also need to take care of each other. You know? And, and that means that if you have a need, you've got to swallow your pride a little bit. It is your responsibility to share your needs. Yeah, i got a need. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling. And that's hard to do. I know. I can do it. I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps. I will do this myself. I will do, I'll be Frank Sinatra. I'll do it my way. You got to open up. You got to be vulnerable. Our responsibility is to know your needs and to meet those needs, to get in your backyard, like we talked about several weeks ago. To look past the fences that we have built up and really get to know each other so we really know those needs. And when we hear about those needs, we spend time in each other's backyards, we can take action. We need to help each other. We need to love our church. And we can do that when we loosen our grip and tighten our belts. And the last blank on your outline is we can give it all away. 
We can give it all away. See, the early church got rid of that mine, mine mentality. And no one had need. No one had any needs. It's clear. No one had any needs. It's what uh, Acts chapter 4 says. With great uh, power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all, for there was not a needy person among them. No one had any needs. Not a needy person among them. And what was the result? What was the result of them loving their church? What was the result of them meeting the needs of other people? It says that they were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That Jesus was proved as Lord and Savior, as the risen Lord and Savior, by the love that the church had for one another. They were loving each other, and they were giving to one another. And because of that, more praise was given to God. More testimony was given about Jesus and who he really was. They were giving to one another, not to community service projects, not to a homeless shelter, not to the United Way, not to mission trips. It was about one another. It's about the church. It's about all of us. And the testimony to Jesus was present because they loved one another. What did Jesus say? The whole world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Truly love one another. The Bible says we are to love each other deeply from the heart. To truly care for one another and love one another. And I know that that's not always easy. It's not always easy to love the people in the, in the chair next to you, in the, in the pew next to you. It's not always easy to love the people sitting in front of you or behind you. Or it's not always easy to love the guy in the stage. Ask my wife. Um, it's not always easy. We're never told it's going to be easy. But we are called to love, to look past grievances, to forgive debts, to care for one another, to bear with one another, to love each other deeply from the heart. That is what we are called to do. And like I said, this is kind of an awkward message. It's kind of a and it's kind of an awkward passage, really, because we spend years, like I said, trying to get out of the four walls of the church. We don't want to be a holy huddle. We don't want to be a spiritual country club. Where we just kind of take care of ourselves and ignore the world around us. No, we are not supposed to ignore the world around us. But we are also not to neglect the needs within these four walls. And we have real needs. You have real needs. I have real needs. And no one knows about them because we keep them to ourselves. But right now and right here, there is someone in this room who has a, a real need. So what is your situation? What is your need? What do you need? What is your real need? We must love our church in such a way that we can recognize each other's needs and then we give it all away. We sacrifice whatever it takes to meet the needs of one another so that nobody goes without, so that nobody is hungry, so that nobody is homeless, so that nobody is scared of what's going to happen. We need to be like the first church and give it all away. And when we sacrifice for each other, when we really sacrifice for each other, we give testimony to the power of Jesus' resurrection, to the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. We give testimony to the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. That when we really love each other, we are showing the world that Jesus loves them. So I want to do something courageous. Okay? We're going to do something a little crazy today. You ready to get crazy? Who wants to get crazy? No hands. Nobody wants to get crazy. <laughs> Nobody wants to be courageous today, Sean. No one wants to get, get, get crazy. 
You know, and I'm not talking about selling your house. I'm not talking about going home, putting your house in the market. I'm not talking about selling your car. You know, you need a car to get to work. I have um, right here. I have twenty-two dollars. I think, pretty sure. I got twenty-two bucks. This is what's in my wallet right now. So I got, uh, yeah, I got twenty-two bucks. Okay, this is what I got. This represents what I have. I got twenty-two dollars. So what if we each did this? What if I'm, I'm going to give you a few minutes? I want you to pray about what you're thinking about. It, but what if, what if we gave what we have right now? Like I said, maybe it represents a trip to Starbucks or McDonald's. Maybe it's lunch after church. Maybe you got some money sitting aside. You know, this is for lunch after church. Go home and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Maybe it's the change you have left over after going to, to Ultra or going to Meyer. You know, whatever it is, it's all we have in this moment. Whatever you have in this moment. And I want to be like the first church. What if we ask God to bless these gifts that we're going to give? What if we ask God to bless these gifts and multiply them and use them to communicate love for his church? What if we did that? And I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. What if we ask God to bless these gifts to bless his people? And what if we, what if we put it in the box? What if we loosened our grip, tightened our belts, and gave it all away and, and dropped it in the box? And, and, and everything in the box was distributed to anyone as, it ha as they had need, as it says in verse 35. What if we did that? So what I'm going to ask you to do right now is pray. And consider if this is a time where you could part with what you have to help someone in need who sits next to you every Sunday. So we're going to play a song. It's called All the Poor and Powerless. And I want you to pray and consider what could you give this morning as the Holy Spirit prompts you. I'll tell you what. Generosity. Your love for your church is evident. And it's beautiful. There's a chest full of money up here. You may be wondering, well, what are we going to do with that? Let me tell you what we're going to do with it. And this is normally how we meet needs here. But we like to help people. We communicate love for our church by our generosity. And also, we communicate through honesty. If you have a need this morning, if you have a need, if you're sitting there going, I wish I could throw $5 in that chest. I wish I could throw $20 in that chest, but I just can't. I, I don't even know how I'm going to buy groceries this week. If you have a need this morning, this is yours. Okay? What I want you to do, and, and I know, I, I know, it's like the, the pride thing gets in the way. I, I can't go up there. What if somebody sees me? If you need this morning, if you need rent money, if you need uh, grocery money, if you need NIPSCO money, if you need gas money, if you need car repair money, this is for you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ loved you. They gave this. They sacrificed what was in their wallet this morning for you. So what I want you to do is, is anytime after the service, come on up. And this is like scary stuff. I mean, it's like, <gasps> there's a little card up here. The First Christian Church on the back with our old logo. And uh, there's a little card right here. I just want you to write a testimony. This is what it's for. I needed gas money. You don't have to put your name on it. 
You don't have to put how much you need. Just write down what it's for and drop it in there. And I'm going to pray for these needs this week. If you have a need, let go of the pride and let us love you. I don't care if it's your first time here. I don't care if it's your hundredth time here. If you have a need this morning, this is for you because we love you. Your church family loves you. So if you need 20 bucks for gas, if you need 30 bucks for diapers, if you need groceries, if you, you came this morning and thought, I don't even know how I can go to church. I don't even know if I have enough gas money to get to church today. Or you may have thought, I, I, you came with deep fear and, and, and hopelessness, and you thought to yourself, I, I don't even know how I can go worship today. You had no idea when you woke up this morning that your church family loved you as much as they do. This is for you. So take what you need and write on that piece, that piece of paper, write on that card how God has met your need today. It's about vulnerability as well as generosity. And so what if we, what if we have more needs than money? Well, then maybe you need to be vulnerable and, and open up with somebody and say, you know what, I, can you help me? You see the generosity of our church family. You see the love of our church family. That's what we do. And when we give generously towards God's kingdom, when we give to meet the needs of each other, we're showing just how much we love our church. And when we love our church the way the first century loved their church, we testify, we give testimony to the love and hope that we have in Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for these gifts that were given, that you would multiply them. I thank you that they were given so generously and so willingly, that your people came without any forewarning, and they gave sacrificially this morning to help those in need. So I pray for those who have needs today, whatever that need is, Lord, that they would know that we love them and that you love them, and you are going to use us today to provide for that need. Whether it's a single mom who needs shoes for her kids. If it's a family struggling because of a job situation. If it's a, a family who doesn't know how they're going to pay their NIFSCO this month. Lord, they would know that they are loved. And that because of your love and generosity and the generosity of their brothers and sisters, you're going to meet that need today. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for these gifts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.